Hey guys, welcome back to Sarah Says, the weekly podcast with me, Sarah, CEO and Chief Scrunching Enthusiast over at Sock Studios, talking about whatever it is that's on my mind this week. It is the August wrap-up because, hi, hello, it's September 1st. Um, Once again, I'm coming to you from the morning. There is someone mowing outside, so I don't know if you'll be able to hear that or not. Happy September 1st, everyone. Where did August go? Honestly, I felt like August like actually lasted a little while but then also on like it's September 1st uh we have some new Hallmark movies to talk about because we went back to Summer Nights in fact there's still one Summer Nights movie coming up this weekend and then there are going to be six all new Fall Fest movies um that's not what they're called though what are they called um Fall Harvest that's what they're called I mean, super original, sorry. Um, so yeah, so we have more Summer Nights movies to talk about. Then we have some books to discuss. There was no book club pick this month. There is one for September. Um, probably not going to shock you when I tell you what it is. And yeah, and then we need to talk about how I actually read two books in 48 hours and read three books this month by Samantha Young and basically how... Uh, I'm ready to pack it up and move to Scotland. That's that's where I'm at in life. So anyway, let's get into it. Let's start off as always with the Hallmark movies. So like I said in the June wrap up, we did Summer Nights, 2021 Hallmark Summer Nights. And then I was like, wait a minute, it's supposed to be June Weddings, WTF. Uh, and so I was not sure what was going to happen in August because normally it goes June Weddings, Christmas and July and then uh, Summer Nights. So August kicks off and it's back to summer nights. I'm still very confused about what happened to Hallmark this year with their lineup. Anyway, starting back up with the summer nights movies, we had Love for Real starring Chloe Bridges, Tiana Tully, Scott Michael Foster, and Corbin Blue. So Scott Michael Foster was um, Cappy from Greek. Which I never watched that show, but I watched ABC Family during that time. What? Now it's called Freeform. Uh, so I always saw the previews for it. I just, I don't know. I just never watched it. But I knew who he was. And Corbin Blue! High School Musical! Oh my god, I was so excited to see him. I, he's such a cutie. I love him. Um, literally, it is a one sentence synopsis saying Haley and her best friend Brie go on a reality dating show to publicize her fashion line. I mean, honestly, Hallmark, if you need help, sweetheart, just reach out. I am here for you. Let me help you. I keep saying this. No one has reached out yet. Please, someone get this over to Hallmark. I can help you guys out, okay? This is the worst sort of synopsis I've ever heard in my life. I mean, that is the too long didn't watch one line. But nothing in that one line was like, ah, I want to watch that movie. This movie was so, so good. Marked it as a favorite. I loved it. This is one that I would buy on Amazon Video if it comes out on Amazon Video. So, Tiana Tully's character, Brie, loves, I think The Bachelor. I think that, what's this called? It's called, like, um, Hearts, Hearts of Love or something like that. Anyway, but think The Bachelor. Brie is very much into... The whole, like, um, betting pools and the, um, oh, I can, like, I can see it in my head right now, uh, where the, like, (laughs) 
where you, where you come up with the uh, <laughs> the it's like a grid and brackets that's the word I'm looking for uh very much into like the bracket systems and you know picking the winners and all of this doing the, reading into all of the blogs and everything her best friend Haley is trying to launch her fashion line she has this interview the person at the interview is like well you don't do enough like you're not involved enough in your own fashion line basically um for us to want to invest in your stuff so Brie is going on the casting for this show during Corbin's season. His name is Marco, which, by the way, they they called him a uh, quarterback from Columbus, Ohio, and I was just like, O-H-I-O. I mean, we're just going to assume that his character Marco played for the Ohio State Buckeyes uh, and now probably does not play for an NFL team, or if he does, he plays at a different position, but that's beside the point. Um, so anyway... Bree is off to do this because his season, this girl just walks off. Like, he goes to give her a heart. And she's like, I'm sorry, I can't do this because I'm still in love with my ex-boyfriend, blah, blah, blah. So they have to go out and do some new casting, like, mid-season casting. So Bree shows up. Haley comes along for moral support. And Scott Michael Foster's character, Luke, is the... Wow. Producer? Co-producer? Something or other? Well, because, no, because there's a girl, but then she promotes him. Anyway, he's some kind of producer of the show. Anyway, so he's there to help do the casting. He runs into Haley in at the elevator, and he's like, oh, are you here to audition? And she's like, no, I'm not doing this. And he's like, well, you know, why not? And she's like, oh, it's all fake, blah, 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 all of this. She ends up, though, in, in the room, and... To support her best friend, Brie. And they end up calling Brie and Haley in. They're like, look, we want to put both of you in. Best friends. It's a great angle for the show. All of this. They decide to do it because Brie's like, hey, you can wear your clothes on the show. That would show people that you are in it for this. And like, I know how to play the system because I in part of, you know, all of these online blogs and podcasts and all of this stuff for it. And so I know how everything works. So they end up going, Haley falls for Scott Michael Foster's character, Luke, Brie falls for Marco, and it was just really, really cute. Um, I don't, I like, I don't want to say that it was predictable. The, how the ending came about was not exactly like I thought it was going to be, but even for a somewhat semi-predictable movie, it didn't feel like it was, if that makes sense. It's it's sort of like one of those, if you know, you know, if you watch a lot of Hallmark movies. Absolutely love this one. 10 out of 10. Definitely watch this one. I loved it. Next up, we had The 27-Hour Day, starring Autumn Reeser, Andrew Walker, and, oh, lots of people here, Lillian, Doucette, Roche, and Rhiannon Fish. Right, I think that's how I say her name. Um, this reads, an entrepreneur takes a break from her wellness empire for some much-needed work-life balance, but realizes it won't be easy. So, Autumn plays Lauren. She has gotten famous over the years for having this blog, podcast, everything uh, dedicated to the 27-hour day. Basically, she finds every quick fix, every time-saving thing that she can to maximize her day. And she 
goes to a work meeting to get on a like national tour basically and the person and I I know who it is and now for the life of me I can't think of who it is it's like I can't even oh she's in other hallmark things anyway um she tells her basically like okay but I think you need to take a break I think you need to figure out what's like what your life really is all about because you're just you're going so hardcore for your brand and for your for your lifestyle company but like who are you 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 should take a step back so she finds this little wellness retreat thing that Andrew Walker's character Jack his family runs and owns so she goes off to do that they have to hand over their phones hand over all electronic devices and just take a I think it's a week-long retreat to relax they cook dinner together as a group every night they make dessert they uh, do farm stuff go on hikes it's just the whole nine yards I mean, it sounds amazing. Like, I would love to run a business like that. Sounds good to me. Teaching people how to relax while you're just, like, relaxing. Like, that sounds like a great idea. So, Lauren and Jack obviously hit it off. Um, Jack, I mean, there was a whole, like, side story about how he wanted to be an entrepreneur. Or, I'm sorry, a, vet, a veterinarian. But then his father died, so he stepped into the business side of things, uh, but, like, he still helps, out, still helps out at the local vet. Um, what I loved about this was, again, I love this idea that we are finally, Hallmark is finally taking these women who are business-minded women running their own successful careers, but then putting them in situations where they are not stuck up a-holes who just think they are better than everyone else because they live in the big city and they, they're their own CEO and blah, blah, blah. Because I just, that's really become a huge downfall for Hallmark. It really, I feel like there are two problem areas for Hallmark recently in, I'm not going to say all of their movies or most of their movies, but a good portion of their movies here are the two main pitfalls for the female characters. One, they are just stuck up, set on their ways, like going to die on this hill that is so stupid that you're like, what are you doing? Like, where is your friend telling you you're being an idiot? And then there is the like career-minded woman that goes to a small town and just thinks she's automatically better than everyone uh, and tries to change them and like wearing her stiletto heels everywhere, like, you know, in the middle of winter, Everyone else, like, wearing warm clothes, and she's like, oh, no, these are my heels. This is what I brought with me. Um, where you're like, are you kidding me? You're in the middle of Montana right now. You're at a dude ranch, and you're going to wear a heel. That's what you brought. Um, like, it just, it doesn't, that's not authentic, and I just think that Hallmark can do so much better, and so I loved this movie for this fact that Autumn Reeser's character really did take the constructive criticism and take the step back and go in to this retreat with an open mind, not trying to be better than everyone. And she comes out of it being like, you know what? I don't want to do 27 hours in one day anymore. Like, I want to take a step back. And she decides to take her whole company in a different direction. And she's like, you know what? I hope you stick around because I want to make your day valuable. Like, I don't just want to find all of the 
time-saving techniques so that you can do more stuff. I want you to do the time-saving techniques so you can cook family dinner, so that you can take that hike with your significant other, so that you can go to the movies with your children, you know, on a school night, whatever. Like, I want you to do the things in a timely manner so that you can enjoy your life. And like, yes, yes, loved it. Loved it. Love that movie. Definitely watch it too. After that, we had <laughs> Sealed with a Kiss, Wedding March 6, starring Josie Pissette, Jack Wagner, uh, which is, they are the main ones for all six of them. And then also um, Nathan White, Nathan Witt. Um, I'm going to be 1 million percent upfront and honest and tell you I did not watch this movie and I don't have big plans to. I didn't record it. I don't have plans to record it. I guess if it's on, I will watch it. I am just not a huge fan of the Wedding March movies. Uh, the first two were good. The, like, the first one was good. The second one was like, okay, now we're on six. And I'm hoping this is the last one. It reads, the modest wedding plans of a celebrity and his down-to-earth fiancé escalate while Mick gets an enticing opportunity Olivia won't let him refuse, putting their own big day in jeopardy. Now, I will say I did come in at the end of this, and when Josie Bissett was walking down the aisle, I mean, it was obviously fake wisteria, uh, but it was at nighttime, and the aisle was just covered in this fake wisteria and fairy lights, and I was like, that's beautiful. Uh, but then I was also very confused because I'm like, there are lots of chairs and there aren't that many people, so maybe that was the celebrity wedding and that didn't happen. I don't know, I because I did not watch this movie. Um, and I don't want to be mean when I say this. It's not like Jack Wagner's ever going to hear this, though, but like... Uh, Please stop with the Botox. Like, it just, it's not, it's just not natural looking. Like, it's okay to have wrinkles. It's okay to age. I, how old is Jack Wagner? I'm, I'm Googling this right now because I don't want to be rude when I take a guess at how old I think he is. Um, oh yeah, I would have been rude. Um, like you're 61. Oh my God, I would have been so mean. Um, you are 61. It's okay to have wrinkles. And honestly, you would look better. It, like, mm, I just, I like, I can't watch him in stuff because his face just creeps me out because it's so smooth. Like, it's just, it's not supposed to be. It's kind of creepy looking. It just makes me feel like it's like a clone. I don't like it. Anyway, if you did watch it, great. If you're a big fan of those movies, great. I did not. And I mean, if it's on, I'll, I'll watch it. But I don't make plans. I don't have any plans to sit down and, and pay attention to it. <laughs> After that, though, we had... Oh, okay. My phone is not working here. A little daytime drama starring Jen Lilly, Ryan Pavey, and Linda Dano. This reads, in order to save her daytime soap opera from cancellation, head writer Maggie must convince Darren, fan favorite actor, and her real-life ex-boyfriend to return to the show. Look, we already know that I love Ryan Pavey. By the way, I just posted this review on TikTok. I put it over on Instagram, and I just thought, you know, for old time's sake, I would tag Ryan in it. Um, He did, he was like, one of the first people that saw it because that's just, he's always super early to my videos if I tag him. Hi, Ryan, what's going on? I know you're not going to listen to this. Um, anyway, um, 
the offer still stands in case you want to start a Christmas tree farm with me. Yeah, that's okay. Anyway, um, it was so funny when this premiere or like when the preview came on because my mom looked at me and she goes, oh man, like one of your favorite guys with like one of your least favorite girls. I was like, yeah, I guess we'll see. This might be the first. No, it definitely is the first. Maybe going to be the only, hopefully not, Jen Lily movie that I actually enjoyed. And I'm not sure if that is because she was with Ryan Pavey or if because for once her character was not the absolute worst. One, for me, for her, it's her voice. And you know, it's fine. I'm sure there are people that don't like my voice. I, I really, I'm not trying to be mean when I say it, but her voice absolutely gets on my very last nerve. Second of all, I think it's her voice because of her tone of voice because 98.9% of the time her characters, this is her tone of voice throughout the whole thing. Uh, like, let's take uh, the winter riding one she was in with Kevin McGarry, which I actually liked until when I rewatched it this year. I was like, wait. She's kind of awful on this one, too. Like, he's the famous author. She's the up-and-coming one that no one knows about. And she's the one that has such, like, stage fright talking to people and all of this. And then she just rags on his books the whole time. She's like, oh, you want me to go on tour with the fantasy writer? I, I just don't see how that's ever going to work. Now, just picture that. I'm, if you just heard her voice, too, it's very high. And then she just has this very uppity tone of voice. And ooh. like I think she's probably a very nice person in real life. But honestly, Jen, please, you need to talk to the writers about making you a more likable person in your movies. Um, I mean, if I were her, I'd be like, look, I'm actually not this stuck up. So if you could uh, stop writing my characters like that, that would be great. Anyway, what made me love this movie more than that, more than the casting here, uh, was the fact that Ryan is more well known, probably, I assume, for playing on General Hospital for five years. Now, I never watched General Hospital. Um, ABC soaps, those are like the only ones that I never, ever watched growing up. Uh, going, like, my cousin watched me, um, in the afternoons and in the summers, uh, was Young and the Restless household, not Young and the Restless, it was, well, it was a CBS household, so, I mean, Young and the Restless, right after lunch, then he had Bold and the Beautiful, As the World Turns, and then the coveted Guiding Light spot. Even when I was in school, I could still come home and Guiding Light came on at three o'clock in the afternoon. Uh, so I always watched that. I mean, I grew up with Reva and Joshua, um, grew up with the Spalding family and um, Rick, who just, honestly, Rick from Guiding Light just reminds me of the Walmart version of Tom Hanks, but with the annoyingness of uh, Ross Geller, uh, him and Abby, I remember that, I remember their wedding day, I remember when they got divorced, uh, Michelle, Obviously, Michelle and Danny. Oh, that was like, that was spicy. Remember those days. Uh, and that was with Bethany Joy Lynn. She was the per the first, like, grown-up Michelle. She was the one that married Danny, and I um, I loved that. So anyway, though, that's not the point. Uh, then when I started watching myself, I 
Uh, I'm, I migrated over to NBC Soaps, uh, to Days of Our Lives and Passions. Does anyone else remember Passions? Honestly, I could make a whole podcast about soap operas. I almost went to one of my favorite lit teachers in college and proposed a soap opera writing class uh, for a summer course because I, I would have taken it. Because uh, at the time, everyone was like, um, why do you still watch soaps? Oh my gosh, they're all the same. I was like, because they're fascinating, okay? Like, there are just certain things that are in every soap opera. It doesn't matter. Ethan and Teresa forever. Gwen hated her. Anyway, not the point. I mean, this is where, like, hello, Jesse Metcalf, Passions, Bethany Joy Lenz, which is Michelle. I, uh, anyway, what I love about this is that Ryan was a soap opera star for five years on General Hospital, and then he's playing a soap opera star in this movie. It feels very Inception. Um, very method acting for me. I loved it. The whole storyline of the of the soap opera in the movie was also clutch. Like, it worked so well. Loved this movie. I thought that her boss was going to be terrible. Like, I thought that there was going to be some, like, ah, gotcha. And there wasn't. And I love that. Also, it had the brother as his uh, manager, not manager, agent. Um, it was the brother from December Bride, and I just love him. Like, can he, whoever his name is, can he just get his own movie? Because he, he plays really great supporting people, and I would just love it if he could get his own movie. Also, did not realize it was him at first because he had a beard. Um, but yeah, 10 out of 10. Love this one. Ryan, we love it. You already know that I love it because you already watched my stories, so thank you for that, and... Yeah. Also, can we get James Scott on the phone to be in a movie? He played E.J. Demera in Days of Our Lives. This is the last thing I'm going to say about this. He played E.J. Demera and him and Sammy, which was Allison Sweeney. Allison Sweeney is also in a lot of Hallmark movies. Are you catching the connection yet between Hallmark movies and soap opera stars? Anyway, I think Jack Wagner was in a lot of um, soap operas. Almost positive. Anyway, um, can we get James Scott on the phone? He hasn't been in anything for a hot second. Honestly, I think he really should have been the person to play. Well, I guess, you know, I always think Fifty Shades of Grey, like, because Jamie Dornan is Irish, but, like, Christian Grey actually wasn't British. But anyway, um, I just love James Scott. He is, he's, he's a cute, he's a cutie. And you haven't seen him in anything in forever. So... If we could call him up, Paul Mark, and put him in some movies, that would be okay with me. The last movie for August, but not the last 2021 Summer Nights movie that was on last weekend, Sweet Pecan Summer. I mean, I, you know, we should really make this a debate here. Do you say pecan or pecan? I, it really, it just, it really depends. Although I don't really ever know when I actually say pecan. Pecan, I, it's pretty much always pecan. Anyway. Starring Christine Coe, Wes Brown, and Lauren Tom. What? I'm sorry. Okay. Again, with the one-line synopsis. I, technically, most of them are one line, but this is literally two lines. One sentence, but two lines. Amanda has to work with her ex-boyfriend, JP, to sell her favorite aunt's pecan farm. So, Lauren Tom plays her aunt, Carol. Uh, Christine plays Amanda, Wes Brown plays JP. So, Amanda works as a product developer for a skincare company. She is trying to, um, launch a new idea of going natural, 
uh, this company pretty much never likes change. And so they don't go with her pitch idea. And she's like, you know what? Her, her Aunt Carol calls her because she was not going to make it back for the pecan harvest that year. And her Aunt Carol calls her and says, you know, I fell off the ladder, um, you know, burned in the pecan trees. Is there any way that you could come and help? So Amanda tells her boss, you know what? I think I just need to take a break. Go, you know, go help my aunt. Boss is like, go do it. Like you, this, don't let this one pitch stop you because, you know, one day we're going to get, we're going to get there. Um, and for me, I thought that was going to be a red flag for her boss, but no, her boss actually is a good boss. Uh, so Amanda goes back to you know, her aunt's um, hometown for this pecan farm and immediately runs into JP, her ex-boyfriend, Wes Brown. And I love this because Wes finally made it out of uh, country Hallmark movies. So, I mean, there were the two Graceland movies. W were there three Graceland movies? No, technically there were two Christmas ones, but then there were two with him in it because he, in the second one he married Kelly Pickler and that was a June wedding movie. Pretty sure. I was pretty sure that was June's wedding, June Weddings movie. Um, so first he was in the Graceland and then he was in a Nashville Christmas Carol. And it's not that I hate that he's in all of these <laughs> country movies. I just don't, I don't understand how he got typecast as the, they're like, oh, country, Hallmark, West Brown. Uh, Tyler Hines is sort of falling into <laughs> that too, although Tyler's in lots of them. But uh, anyway, so he is there. He's been back there for a couple of years after playing minor slash a little bit of major league baseball uh as a pitcher and now he is working at his father's real estate company now my mom thought that there was a whole like thing with him and his dad about real estate and I was like no I think his dad really actually is supportive here um so anyway Aunt Carol drops the bomb on Amanda pretty soon after she gets there that she's ready to sell the pecan farm it's been 40 years she and her husband had started it. He has since passed away and she is dating someone else, has been for a while and wants to move closer to him. And I think that area is in Florida. It, that's a very odd part to this whole thing. But anyway, um, so Amanda's kind of devastated by it. She understands, but she's like, you know, I grew up here. This is, I have so much history here and like, this is, this is crazy to me that, like, we won't have it anymore. But she offers to help Aunt Carol get everything ready to sell. And they entertain some buyers. It's all terrible. And then JP shows up. And she's like, oh, you know, he cannot help sell this place. And Aunt Carol's like, you know, he's great. And she's like, yeah, except for the fact that we dated and broke up. She's like, oh, okay, well, except for that one thing. Um, so they, all, the three of them kind of go about setting the house and the barn and area up for selling, fixing it up and all this, slash also getting the pecan harvest ready. Um, what ends up, like, so halfway through, my mom's like, you know, this reminds me of the Christmas cookie movie. I was like, ah, Christmas joy with uh, the Panabaker girl. I did, Danielle Panabaker? Is that the right one? Might not be the right one. Might be her sister. Uh, and the guy from... Sydney White. That's how I know him. Uh, I was like, you know what? You're kind of right. Because in Christmas Joy, the grandma gets her, or aunt. Is that also an aunt? Or grandma? Someone, someone in her family gets hurt. And she goes off uh, to help prepare the Christmas cookies for the Christmas party that she always does and reconnects with her ex-boyfriend. Um, I was like, eh, you know, kind of the same, like a little different, but like, yeah, kind of the same also. Um, 
this one was cute. It seemed a little, a little predictable once that part happened. Like, after coming to terms with it, I was like, oh, you're right. Um, but, again, I did enjoy this one. It was, it was a fresh, bubbly one. What I really loved is that it was a mostly Asian cast. Um, that, I, I just love that. Oh, like, love the diversity of, you know, switching it up. Um, hope to see everyone in more movies. And yeah, like I, I was kind of thrown because the one thing said bad acting, some really bad acting in this one. Diversity is good. And I actually enjoyed the storyline. I wanted to love it, but it was just meh. I don't know. I wouldn't say that it was just meh. I would, I would put it above meh for me. So I just want to say that this will actually go into the September wrap-up podcast because I can't watch it until this Saturday, uh, but the final 2021 Hallmark Summer Nights movie is happening this Saturday, September 4th, called Journey of My Heart, starring Rhiannon Fish, which she was in The 27-Hour Day, and Darian Martin. have never heard of him before, but I like the look of him. And it says a wildlife biologist travels to remote Alaska and receives guidance from a Native American family. So this will be fun. Um... The only other time that I willingly know that we went to Alaska, well, I mean Garland, Alaska, but honestly, that was the North Pole, let's be honest with this, uh, was the Jingle Bell Bride last year. So, anyway, it'd be nice to see Alaska Sands in a Christmas movie. So, yeah, we'll give that one a shot, but that will go into the September wrap-up, then filled with a whole bunch of Fall Harvest movies. Moving on into books. Now, like I said, at the end of July, Jen and I had not picked an August book club pick. She was just starting up working back in the office part-time, so she was trying to get back into the swing of things. She had not finished the July pick yet, uh, which was Joe Mansell's And Now You're Back. Um, We did just kind of take a break for August. I read other books, obviously, Uh, but we've already picked out a September book. Probably not going to shock you that Jen picked a Christina Lauren book. You know me, I either love Christina Lauren, Obsessed, In a Holidays, The Soulmate Equation, Dr. River Nicholas Pena, cannot get enough. We did it, River Nicholas. Oh God, I can't. Anyway, either love Obsessed, can't put it down, or I just grit my teeth through it. I mean, the On the Honeymooners is just not it for me. And my favorite Half Night Sam was not a fan. Uh, but we're going to give Roomies a chance. This was originally written in 2017. It's 368 pages. This reads, From Subway to Broadway to Happily Ever After, Modern Love and All Its Thrill, Hilarity, and Uncertainty has never been so compulsively readable as a New York Times bestselling author Christina Lauren's Roomies. Marriages of convenience are so inconvenient. For months, Holland Baker has invented excuses to descend into the subway station near her apartment, drawn to the captivating music performed by her street musician crush. Lacking the nerve to actually talk to the gorgeous stranger, Fate steps in one night in the form of a drunken attacker. Calvin McLaughlin rescues her, but quickly disappears when the police start asking questions. Using the only resource she has to pay the brilliant musician back, Holland gets Calvin an audition with her uncle, Broadway's hottest musical director. When the tryout goes better than even Holland could have imagined, Calvin is set for a great entry into Broadway, until his reason for disappearing earlier becomes clear. He is in the country illegally, his student visa having expired years ago. Seeing that her uncle needs Calvin as much as Calvin needs him, a wild idea takes hold of her. Impulsively, she marries the Ooh, Irishman. Ooh. Her infatuation a secret only to him. As their relationship evolves and Calvin becomes the da- darling of Broadway in the middle of the th- theatrics and the acting, not acting, 
Will Holland and Calvin realize that they both stopped pretending a long time ago? Ooh! Okay, well, that sounds good. I mean, you had you basically had me at Irishman. <laughs> if it had said Scottishman, <laughs> that would have been better. Um, we're going to get into it. Anyway, so that is the September Sockman Studios Book Club pick. Read along if you want. I, I have had a couple of people reach out about Christina Lauren. They're like, are all of them good? I'm like, well, like, <laughs> for me, no, but I'm like, glad you guys love them. Moving on to other books that I read this month. Honestly, we're going to start with the two that I absolutely, I, I ended up reading. Wait, how many did I actually end up reading? I, I actually didn't even write in the last one that I just read last night. That's right. I did read two books in 48 hours. That was crazy. One, two, three, four, five, six. I read six books. We're going to talk about the two because they're a series that I just, I'm obsessed with. Then, then we'll move on from there. <sighs> Okay, I took a deep breath because I could hyperventilate about this. Starting off here, now this was not the first book that I read in August, but this is what we need to just focus on here, okay? Here With Me by Samantha Young in a Dare Family Series book. You know, it's my fault. She actually laughed at this. She, was, she found this quite hysterical. <laughs> it's my fault, okay? I read four Samantha Young books and apparently is actually three months. I read Much Ado About You at the end of June. So you can find the review for that book at the end of June. It made me cry, Evie. Oh my God. Shoot. Oh my God. That book absolutely, like there were parts of it that made me cry, Evie and Roan. If that is not my life, I do not want it. Anyway, I loved Samantha Young years ago, thanks to Jen, because Jen was in a book club group. I love this story. I think I'm going to talk about this with her when I see her next month now. Oh my God, it's coming up so fast. Um, Which, by the way, I hope you guys are excited because you'll get to meet friend Jen. Uh, I told her that you guys wanted uh, to do some podcasts with her, so that will be happening. We are very excited. Um, but anyway, Jen joined this book club group in Boston and she told me about this and she's like, oh yeah, this month's pick is called Fight or Flight. So I looked it up. I was like, oh, that looks good. So I got the book. She to this day has not <laughs> read this book. I loved it. I was obsessed. I was like, you have to, I tell her all the time. I'm like, you need to read this book. So that was my introduction to Samantha Young. After that, I just like, I don't know why I didn't already look up other books by her, but I had not. Going into this year, um, Much Ado About You came out. I was like, oh, it's Samantha Young. I loved her with Fight or Flight. So I read it obsessed. Evie, I, if that is not my life, I swear to God, I don't want it. I, that's, I am manifesting it so hardcore. You guys have a, no idea. So anyway, read that one. Then I finally look up Samantha Young on Instagram, Twitter, you know, all of this stuff. And I follow her on Instagram. Fun fact, we follow each other. Hi, Samantha. Uh, love this. Love this for me because I just geek out about this stuff. So um, at the time when I read it in June, she on her Instagram was promoting this book here with me. So I was like, oh, well, uh, another book. 
let me go find it. Go to the Libby app, place my hold on it. I, you know, I love the Libby app. I talk about it all the time. That is where I primarily read most of my books, thanks to the Libby app through the Kindle. And it's great because I can also read it through my phone, through the Kindle app. I love it. So like you always have a book with you. We love this. Um, it just came available for me like two weeks ago. And, and as soon as it came, I was like, read right now. Uh, so I downloaded it. Could not put this book down. 528 pages. <sighs> I, I cannot, guys. I cannot. Okay. So let's go through. So I'm going to read the synopsis of it. And then we're going to discuss. Okay. It says, Settled in the tranquil remoteness of the Scottish Highlands, Ardnock Estate caters to the rich and famous. It is an unattainable, it is as unattainable and as mysterious as its owner, ex-Hollywood leading man Lachlan Adair, and it's poised on the edge of a dark scandal. After narrowly escaping death, police officer Robin Pinhalligan leaves behind her life in Boston in search of some answers, starting with Mac Galbraith, the Scottish father who abandoned her to pursue his career in private security. To reconnect with Mac, Robin will finally meet a man she's long resented. Lachlan Adair. Hostility instantly brews between Robin and Lachlan. She thinks the head of the Adair family is high-handed and self-important, and finding closure with Mac is proving more difficult than she ever imagined. Robin would sooner leave Ardnock, but when she discovers Mac is embroiled in a threat against the Adairs and the exclusive members of the estate, she finds she's not yet ready to give up on her father. Determined to ensure Mac's safety, Robin investigates the disturbing crimes at Ardnock, forcing her and Lachlan to spend time together. Soon it becomes clear a searing attraction exists beneath their animosity, and temptation leads them down a perilous path. While they discover they are connected by something far more addictive than passion, Lachlan cannot let go of his grip on a painful past, a past that will destroy his future if the insidious presence of an enemy lurking in the shadows of Ardnock doesn't do the job first. <laughs> okay, that was three long paragraphs. Let me give you the too long, didn't read those three paragraphs, give me one sentence why I should read this book sentence to you. And it goes like this. Okay, we're ready. Three, two, one. Take Fifty Shades of Grey, make it a light version, minus the BDSM and a lot of the creepy stuff. Mix it with a murder mystery. Mix it with actual real enemies to lovers and throw it in the Scottish Highlands. So think Outlander minus the time travel and add in some kilts and some very sexy accents. That is this book in a nutshell. That is why you should read this book. I could not put this book down. Now, you guys know I am not big into mystery books because I like to ruin the mystery. <laughs> I, just, I can't help it, okay? I can't help it. The, okay, I'm taking a step back again. I'm actually, I'm going to drink here really quick. That was my water. Okay. So, this book, 528 pages of absolute brilliance, wouldn't have cut out a single page, okay? Robin, the book starts, Robin is a police officer in Boston. She and her partner, Autry, are just in the car talking about oh, uh, her current boyfriend that she's actually ready to break up with when they get a call. It turns out that it is... Um, a domestic disturbance with um, drug dealer, etc. And um, things go sideways when a gun is drawn. Robin jumps in front of Autry, saves his life. She gets shot three times, flatlines on the table, but lives. 
we fast forward to her traveling to Scotland. So she has made it past the shooting. She has left the police force and she is in Scotland to reconnect with her father, Mac. Mac lied to her mother, Stacy, uh, when they first met. Stacy was in college. He was 16, said he was 19. They had a relationship. She got pregnant. Mac did the best that he could as a 16-year-old father uh, in another country because he was living in America at the time, although he's Scottish. And for 12 years, he is part of Robin's life. He gets a job with Lachlan, who at the time was an up-and-coming action movie star character. Um, Think kind of like Jason Bourne-style movies. And Mission Impossible, too. Um, And so he gets this job doesn't see Robin for two years. He randomly shows up when she's 14 again. And, you know, Robin is overjoyed at this. And then he just disappears. They have not seen each other in 16 years until Robin shows up at the Ardnock Estates. So, Robin, it's safe to say, when I say enemies to lovers, true enemies to lovers, she and Lachlan hate each other. I mean, hate with a capital H, hate each other. Uh, couldn't hate each other more, I think, if they tried. Lachlan is very protective of Mac, and Robin just thinks, well, she's mad at Mac. Because she's like, was I not enough for you? Like, I have abandonment issues about this. Her mother, Stacy, sort of always held Mac being her father sort of against her, and so she has issues with her mom going on too. And, and she's like, you know, you abandoned me. You just left me. Was I not enough? And like, you left me to work for him. Like, so he was just better for you. Like, you just love him more than me. Lachlan knows the true truth behind the whole thing. And so he is very protective of Mac. And he tells Robin in no uncertain terms, if you're not here, to set things right. Like, if you're just here to, like, make problems, you can go. And she's like, you can mind your own business with you. Like, you and my father, that's one thing. You can stay out of what me and my father are going through. And Mac basically tells Lachlan, you know what? She has right to be mad. No, you're correct. She doesn't know the whole truth, but she has her rights. And, like, I want you to stay out of it. Before they can actually reconnect, Mac gets attacked. He gets stabbed three times, nearly dies. He lives. And this is when Robin finds out that before she got here, um, there's like a weird stalker situation going on surrounding Lachlan. He's getting these weird, like, stalker messages. You know, his room was covered in post-it notes at one time. And, uh, you know, there's a dead deer left outside a gate and just, you know, weird things going on. And obviously someone who's in love with him and is very messed up. So at this point, Robin's like, okay, well now I'm definitely not leaving. Like they had not made up yet, but she's like, I, they tried to kill you. You're my dad. And you know, I'm not leaving until we figure this out. I'm a police officer. Let me help. They eventually do have it out. And Robin real finds out that her mother, Stacy, had kept all of these letters. So Mac, throughout, I won't say all of the 16 years, but through most of those years, had sent her presents, had written her letters, birthday cards, Christmas cards, all of this. And Robin's mom had just sent them all back. 
and a very notebook, very notebook-esque. <laughs> and Robin's finally like, you know what? You're right. Like, you're not totally to blame. She's not totally to blame. Like, you know, that's that, not, now I have problems with her, but I, I want to move on. Like, I want to, I want to have a relationship with you. <laughs> During this, Lachlan has developed feeling. I mean, so like, they, they really hate each other. They really do. That's, I'm, I'm not exaggerating this whatsoever. They, they actually really hate each other. Like, most of the time I feel like enemies to lovers, one person actually just secretly loves the other and the other one just never realizes it or like doesn't realize it for a really long time. Um, but like one always seems to love the other one. I mean, like the hating game. Joshua never hated Lucy. Uh, like he always liked her. He just treated her with indifference because he didn't want her to know. In Shipped, um, Graham, and I, I can't think of her name off the top of my head, but like Graham loved her. <laughs> she hated him. Just all of these instances that I read, enemies to lovers, I'm like, oh, like, I'm even the unhoneymooners between Olive and Ethan. Like, Ethan liked Olive at first. I mean, technically, Olive liked Ethan at first, too. Um, but then Olive just kind of got the wrong end of the stick and just, like, ran with it this whole time. And Ethan's like, what are you talking about? So anyway, that is just not the case here. Uh, but they realize that, you know, there definitely is an attraction. And Lachlan's like, this is Max's daughter. She's 10 years younger than me. She's Max's daughter. I hate her. She's Max's daughter. <laughs> I can't do this. But they end up kissing twice. I mean, he just, like, both times, he just, like, just kisses her. And she's like, she obviously kisses him back. And she's like, okay, look, like, I can at least control myself. Like, you obviously can't. But they go to this Kaylee, not spelled anything like you think it is. Or, yeah, it, it's spelled one way and then you pronounce it a completely different way. But it's a big party. And where men are in kilts. <sighs> I love a man in a kilt. Um, they go to this Kaylee. Absolute flames. Page 267. That's all I can say. Absolute flames off the pages. So, that's all I'm going to say about it. Because obviously there is way more. Robin ends up getting attacked more than once. The person that actually did it. Like... I'll, not predictable, but I did ruin it for myself. <laughs> I did do that. I did ruin it for myself. So I did actually know who it was while I was reading it. And once you know who it is, you're like, duh. Um, but yeah, really, really good. R really, really good. You should definitely read it. And when I say Fifty Shades of Grey light... Um, what I mean by that is, is, like, Lachlan does like to be dominant, but he's, it's not, like, a domineering BDSM sort of thing, like, the way Christian was about a whole bunch of stuff. Um, uh, like, and he does shower his siblings with big, lavish gifts, uh, and wants to protect them. Uh, he is the oldest. His parents are both deceased, and, you know, he's the one in charge of the estate, keeping it running, um, keeping it in the family. And, um, you know, he's got four other siblings. So it's Lachlan, Thane, Broden, Aaron, and Arakar. Um, and um, he just has a very loving relationship. Uh, Broden and Aaron are 
very much out of the picture. Broad is sort of in Thane's book, but that's beside the point. Um, you know, he just, he wants to protect the family and he wants to protect those that he loves. And, um, you know, but he does also have a certain way about things, um, to some extent. So, I mean, like a little, it's a little Fifty Shades Grey. I mean, it is, we do get kind of spicy. It's like at several points we do get kind of spicy here, but, um, absolutely loved it. You should definitely read this book and then then you should pick up the new one, what we're going to talk about next. Now, moving to the second book of the Adair Family series, There With You. <laughs> this this book came out last week, um, which, praise the Lord, because I couldn't, I couldn't wait any longer for that one. Um, so, basically... This book came out last week. I just went right ahead the day it came out, hit buy. And I do also now own here with me. Uh, I don't play around with these books. I was like, oh, I must own this book so that I can read it whenever I want. Um, <laughs> and I have no regrets about it whatsoever. Um, this book is 374 pages, which may be why I finished the book in under 24 hours. But who knows, if it had been 528 pages like here with me, I might have also finished it in 24 hours because I am absolutely obsessed with it. I, at this point, I don't know who I love more, Lachlan or Thane. Uh, Samantha, you said uh, that you hoped that Thane was worth the wait because I made myself read my other uh, books from the library first. I had two of them, which by the way, one of them was on Dublin, on Dublin Road, which is also a she didn't know that but I was like I told her I said I'm forcing myself to read these other books before I read things and she's like well I hope he's worth the wait he absolutely was he absolutely was oh my god okay I finished it last night and I I basically haven't been able to crack open another book yet because the book hangover that I feel for this is so real it's so real okay this <sighs> okay, this description reads, For Reagan Penhaligan, there is no better place to run to than the exclusive Ardnock estate in the remote Scottish Highlands. Her impulsive behavior has finally caught up with her, and Reagan's visit with her sister Robin is an opportunity to hide from someone who has grown dangerously obsessed with her. Determined to make amends for her mistakes, Reagan plans to repair her relationship with Robin by staying close, and when an offer of help comes from Thane Adair, Reagan gratefully accepts. Widower Thane needs a new nanny housekeeper for his two young children, and when they bond with Reagan Penhaligan, he offers her the job. But as the weeks pass and the complex American reveals who she really is, Thane struggles with his growing attraction to her. Reagan never expects to feel so intensely for Thane, but she can't deny her passion for him or her love for his children. When someone from Thane's past threatens his family, Reagan wants to be his pillar of support. However, his continued inability to trust her might just destroy their chance of future happiness, and the person who drove Reagan to Ardnock might snuff out her chance for any future at all. So, basically, um, I take full blame and responsibility for reading four Samantha Young books in, we'll say, two and a half months, basically. Um, well, I guess, I guess it's three months. Um, I, I take full responsibility for that, but... I finished this book and I was like, what do I have to do 
to become the nanny of a single father in the Scottish Highlands. I mean, tell me what I have to do. Do I know that Thane is not real? Yes. Do I know that Lachlan, Roan, and from on Dublin Street, which we're going to talk about. Yeah, why did I call it on Dublin Road? It's on Dublin Street. Um, Brayden, like, do I know they're not real yet? Yes. I, they do. Uh, but I'm like, someone's got to, there's got to be some Scottish man out there that's like this. Um, I take full responsibility for for reading four books in, in three months. But she's ruined me forever because I, <laughs> if it's not, if he's not Scottish, if he's not calling me Molanin, which means my beloved, I just, oh my God. <laughs> everyone, everyone, and I know this, I've never watched Outlander because I just know who I would become if I did. Uh, everyone on, on Outlander TikTok, though, uh, falls over themselves when Jamie calls Claire Sesnack. I think that's how you say it. Uh, for me, it's Thane calling Reagan Molanin. Uh, oh my God, I love it. I'm obsessed. I can't even imagine what it's at, like when you say it with the Scottish accent. Oh my god. Okay, anyway. So, Reagan, we know about from Here With Me, but she shows up in the epilogue of Here With Me. She and Robin have not had a good past 18 months. Once Robin gets shot, Reagan takes off. They are half sisters. They, they, Stacey is both their moms, but they have different dads. Um, and Reagan has always looked up to Robin. Robin was really the one that kind of raised Reagan in a lot of ways. So we we talk about this in here with me because Robin and Mac have a lot of these conversations. Mac also knows Reagan um, because Mac introduced their mom to um, Seth, their uh, Reagan's father. So um, when we open up there with you, with Reagan, you're kind of, like, expecting Reagan to be this wild child party girl. I mean, she takes off after Robin gets shot. We don't hear from her. She's backpacking, taking the backpacking trip that the two of them were supposed to go on and, like, never returns calls, doesn't email all of this. And so you're just thinking, okay, yeah, she's, uh, you know, she's 25 and seems normal, uh, for a 25-year-old. Um, we quickly learn, though, that Reagan has so much shame and guilt over how everything played out, and she really wants to make up with Robin, but she also is extremely afraid of this guy, Austin, who had been on the backpacking trip. Their reunion is very icy at first, um, but once Reagan makes it to the guest room at Lachlan and Robin's house... She goes outside and quickly meets Ailey Lewis. And Ailey is, I, I'm obsessed with that name. And again, it is one of those things that it is not, it's spelled one way and you say it a completely different way. So I just know that like I could never name my child this in America. That's why I need to move to Scotland because I just love the name so much. Ailey. Um, oh, I love it so much. It's so cute. Anyway, Ailey is adorable. Um, she quickly meets Ailey and Lewis, who happens to be Thane's children. She meets Thane, they have dinner, uh, Reagan bonds with them more, and we find out that Thane is looking for a new nanny because he is going back, he's an architect, uh, 
but he's going back from freelancing to working for a company. So thankfully Reagan and Robin have it out pretty quickly. Um, get, well, get most of it out into the open. And Robin's like, you know what? We're going to move on. Like you, like you're right. It's not my job to raise you. I'm sorry I wasn't there for you though. And I'm sorry that I was so mad at you because I thought that you were being flaky because that's what our mother has been saying. And I just was just accepting this. Um, but I want to be here for you now. And Reagan's like, I'm not going anywhere. So Thane ends up at first, he's like, eh, I don't know about hiring you because like, I don't know if you and Robin are okay. And like, you're, you're only gonna be here for six months. But Reagan's like, look, like, this is a perfect opportunity. I want to be here. I need a job. It gives you enough time to find someone else. So Thane talks to Robin and Robin's like, I think she's great. Like, she's always been great with kids. I thought she should be a teacher. You should definitely do this. The kids obviously love her pretty much right away. So Thane does. Ro uh, Reagan moves next door because they Thane built his house and Lachlan's house right next to each other on all, like, all of this land. And uh, she moves next door to this little annex that he had built for a nanny uh, at the time when his wife had been alive. And his wife, Fran, uh, we know from Here With Me, has passed away when Ailey was very young um, from a brain aneurysm, just died in her sleep. What we do not know until this book, though, is that Fran, I can say this, this isn't going to ruin your enjoyment of reading this book, freaking cheated on Thayden. I just don't understand how. Reagan is right. She's like, I don't know. I don't understand how this woman could ever cheat on this man. Um, so Thane has, like, Thane obviously loved Fran very much, grieved for her, all of this. No one else knows until Reagan knows. And then he, he does eventually tell Lachlan about this, um, that Fran had cheated on him. And so he has trust issues. Okay. So he has grieving issues. He has trust issues. Um, but the main point for Thane is that Reagan is 13 years younger than him. And he's like, she's my 25 year old nanny. She's my 25 year old nanny. And she's my 25 year old nanny. And Reagan's like, yeah, I'm 25. That's like, not like I'm 18. Because the first, and I love this because I feel like this is so accurate. Um, is like Thane has this beard and at first it's, like mentioned several times how it's very unkempt. And so, um, you know, Reagan just doesn't, you know, really even think about it. But her first day working, she goes by the room or like by a hallway and there are all these photos and she sees Thane before he had a beard. And she's like, oh, well, he's pretty attractive, actually. <laughs> I just feel like that's very accurate because um, I, I, I mean, like, some guys can just pull off beards, and then sometimes you're like, what are you doing? And sometimes, like, you could love both, but, like, you have to, you have to see one before you see that. Like, yeah, anyway, so that, like, she's kind of thrown in that moment, and he comes back downstairs, and they're talking, and then she just, like, happens to look at his hands, and she's like, oh, man, like, I have a thing for hands. Like, he has very nice manly hands. And again, same girl, same. Like, I feel you on this. So he's like, are you okay? She's like, what? Yeah, no, I'm fine. And he's like, are, are you sure you're okay? And she's like, I'm, I'm fine. And then she's kind of blanking and she's like, I was looking at your hands. And I love this. 
Um, I just, I was laughing so much. I was like, oh my God, I love this story so much. So anyway, oh my God, I just, I can't, (laughs) I really can't. Um, the kids love her. She's very endeared to them. That endears Thane to her. She thinks Thane's such a great father and he is. Um, so, like, a lot of people think that they already have a thing going on, and they don't. And, I mean, Reagan is very much like, this is my boss. He's gonna be related to me soon, and, you know, this cannot happen. And then she's kind of like, why Why can't this happen? Like, he's single. I'm a grown adult. We obviously have feelings for one another. What's the big deal? Thane is like, put it on lock. Absolutely not. But then... They, ha- they spent this weekend, uh, they spent a Saturday together for his birthday with the kids, and she runs into this other guy uh, that we also meet in Here With uh, here with Me, and he gets her phone number when she's with Ailey at the time. Ailey is five, five, yeah, I think, she's in primary one, yeah, I think she's five. Um, so they're, they're leaving, and Ailey goes, like... <laughs> just kind of brooding about it. And then she goes, Riri, why is that pretty man going to call you? <laughs> Thane, Thane's driving. He like side eyes Reagan. He's like, what is Ailes talking about? And Reagan's like, oh, you know, that's just what friends do. Like, he's just going to call me because he's a friend. And, you know, that's what friends do. And Ailey's like, well, I'm your bestest best friend. And Lewis is your best best friend and daddy's your best friend so he can just be a friend (laughs) I love her so Thane is just stewing over this and I love this so freaking much I'm just like oh my god if he's not Scottish I don't want him he like they kind of have it out and Reagan's like what he's not good enough for me and he's like no he's just a silly wee F boy. <laughs> I love it when Scottish people say we. Even when things aren't small. He's just a silly wee F boy. Uh, he's like definitely not the man that you wanted. And she's like, well, put up or shut up at this point, Thane. Um, so page 203. That's all I'm going to say. Um, yeah. Some things are burned in my brain, and that's that's one of those things. Page 267 in Here With Me, page 203 and There With You. Um, yeah. Things happen. I, again, don't want to get into everything because I want you to read these books. I'm just trying to give you enough to say why you should read them. But basically, it's, oh my god, after that, he just calls her Molan and all the time. Oh my god, I can't. Anyway, I get to a point last night, we get to Christmas time. Her mom shows up. I mean, absolute chaos ensues. I, I chucked my Kindle on the, like, I literally open palm threw my Kindle on the bed so hard it bounced. And I was like, oh, okay, don't break the Kindle. I was so, I was mad at her mom and I was so mad at Thane. Lachlan, however, thank you for being a meddler. Robin's like, oh my God, he's such a meddler. Uh, we love this though. He comes through with so much great wisdom for Thane. Thane finally, as Lachlan says, like, well, once you pull your head out of your arse, um, he's like, honestly, I don't know why. Like, I don't know what you're doing right now. Like, <laughs> you, need to, you need to pull yourself together here uh, and get over yourself and get a grip. Um, 
it was really, it was really good. It was, it was so good. And now I don't know how to survive in my life knowing that these men aren't actually real. But Samantha, I have questions. I'm actually, I'm gonna like, I'm gonna hope that you listen to this podcast. Um, I have questions that I really need answered. One, do we ever actually find out what happens with Erdine? Did she and Broden have a thing? Oh, and is she, Reagan touches on, so there's Erdine, who is in here with me, and also there with you, she's a very mysterious character, and Reagan, at one point, is like, I think Reagan figured it out, but then, like, we don't say it again, is this true? I need to know, and then she was very weird with Broden around, so, like, did something happen with Broden and Ari? I need to know, do we ever discuss this? Is there going to be a book about Broden? Is there going to be a book about Aaron? Are we just leaving it at three with Arokar as the third book? And, and lastly, and I don't feel like this is giving anything away because obviously we know that Thane and Reagan end up together. Anyway, in the epilogue, are you really telling me that they don't have children of their own? Like, are we really going there? I mean, we don't even get one. I mean, I know, I know it said it's only been a couple of years, but like, I just, oh my god, I need them to have, like, one kid. Oh my god, but that epilogue was, I loved it. <laughs> I, oh my god. I cannot. I absolutely can't. Thane, at one point, like, <laughs> picks up her e-reader and she's reading um, a historical romance book. <laughs> He's like, um, I think all men need to get their partner's historical <laughs> romance books. And I was dying. I loved it. You have to read these two books. Okay, moving on, but we are not done with Samantha Young books yet. Of course not, because between Here With Me and There With You, I just love saying that, uh, I read On Dublin Street, which apparently was her very first book, just celebrated its ninth publishing date. Congratulations, as of August 31st yesterday. Uh, so it came out in 2012. Don't know why I didn't read this after Fight or Flight. I get, I, I don't know what I was doing. Um, this is book one of six of the series. I do have the second one. I think that's on London Road or down London Road. Um, anyway, 415 pages. This book reads Braden Carmichael. Uh, well, I'm assuming it's probably, if it's Scottish, it's probably Braden. Um, is used to getting what he wants, and he's determined to get Jocelyn into his bed. He knows she has a past, one that has made her skittish about getting into a relationship, so he proposes an arrangement that will satisfy their intense attraction without any strings attached. But after an intrigue Jocelyn accepts, Brandon decides he won't be satisfied with just mind-blowing passion. The stubborn Scotsman is intent on truly knowing her, down to the very soul. Now, what I love about this is, after I've read much ado about you. I just went ahead and put Samantha Young into the Libby app and just started like clicking on things to play souls. I, I didn't even read what the synopsis was. And what I really love about this is that the cover, this version of the cover that I read is this pretty little like Kelly Green cartoon two people, uh, nice, cute, scripty font on Dublin Street. You're like, oh, that looks good. Very much the same as like the fight or flight cover and the much do about you. Now, what you do about you was not nearly as spicy as fight or flight or on Dublin Street or then the Adair novels, although the Adair family novels definitely have a different look about them. Um, but anyway, <laughs> 
I, w- I would have read this book regardless. Uh, but, like, when you look at the cover, she's like, oh, this would be, like, a cute little fun rom com like, cute romance book. Oh, no. Oh, no, my friends. Oh, no. It is. It's pretty spicy. It's, it's up there in the spice factor. And <laughs> when I needed... <laughs> When I needed the photo, (laughs) I can't stop laughing about this because when I went looking for the photo so that I could put it in my Instagram 2021 reads, that one, the resolution wasn't great. But like when I, when I put it on Dublin Street by Samantha Young, the original cover of it is like, it's like all black and just like real people. And it says like, he wants to know her down to her very soul. I'm like... I'm like, that makes more sense. (laughs) I'm like, I feel like this cover led me under false pretenses. Very much like Spoiler Alert. Remember how I thought Spoiler Alert by Olivia Dade was (laughs) a YA book because of the cover? I was like, this is not a YA book. (laughs) By the way, the second one of that book is actually coming out next month, too. Or this month. (laughs) It's September now. That's right. Um... Anyway, like, love the cover artwork, guys. Love it. Hysterical, though. Cracks me up. Everyone on Instagram. I've never had such a fast response to people laughing. I've So many people were like, that is a completely different feel of the cover. I was like, loved the book. Would still read it. Would still recommend it. But this is hysterical to me. So, anyway. Oh, I already did what it reads. So, I would put Brayden... Lachlan and Caleb, which is from Fight or Flight, which I've not detailed, but you should definitely read that book. I've, I've mentioned that several times now. In this category of Christian Grey light characters, uh, like, likes to spoil, like, has money, um, likes to spoil the ones that they love with nice things, uh, definitely has a way about them, carries themselves with a certain air and like domineering but not domineering you know not not like a BDSM domineering sort of like having a contract sort of thing um like Christian Grey does so it's but like in a way all of them are like no strings attached. It's just an arrangement. Like, let's just sleep together while, like, Caleb's like, well, while I'm in Boston, let's just sleep together. Uh, Lachlan's like, while you're here, let's just get it out of our system. Even, even Thane is like, but also not Thane, because Thane also had already had feelings. Anyway, Thane and Roan, I would not put, Roan definitely, from Much Ado About You, would not put him in the same category. Thane is like a, like just an outlier of the category. Um, but Brayden at the start, so starts off Jocelyn's in middle school. She is sort of caught in this sort of love triangle because the guy sitting behind her, Kyle, is kicking her chair because he wants her attention because he kind of has a thing for her. But she knows that her best friend Drew likes him. So she's But she also kind of likes Kyle, but she's like, you know, that's my best friend Drew likes him and like I could never, they're not in middle school, I'm sorry, they're in high school, (laughs) not middle school. Uh, But while she's sitting there contemplating this, she's in math class, 
uh, police officers arrive to tell her that her parents and her uh, baby sister have passed away in a car accident. So now she has no family. Uh, we sh- then, you know, turn the page at new chapter and it's eight years later she's living in Scotland because part of her family is Scottish so she has dual citizenship uh, from the start and her parents left her a very sizable fortune. She has not really used it though and it's really just kind of pushed them away. Just pushed everything to the back burner. We also find out that Drew is died a year later. And at first you're like, holy shit. Uh, like, okay. Joss doesn't like to talk about any of it. She has graduated college. She wants to be a writer. And she's looking for a new flat to live in because her two college friends have moved to London for work. So she is... She's already kind of bemoaned the fact that she hasn't liked the other places and she really needs this place on Dublin Street to work. Although it is a little pricier, but, you know, she has the money because of her parents. So she goes to get in a taxi to get there. And when she goes to grab the door, she actually grabs a hand. Turns out that it's Braden Carmichael. And he's like, well, where are you going? And she's like, well, I'm going on Dublin Street. He's like, okay, great. I'm going in that same direction. Let's just skip all this and share the cab. And so she's kind of like, well, okay. Like, he just kind of like, pushes her in before she's even agreed to it. She's like, okay, whatever. They're sitting there. She's kind of ignoring him. And he's like, you're not even gonna like try to give me your number or anything. And she's like, what? And he goes, oh, you know, that's like what most women do when they're in a car with me. And she's like, okay, well, like you obviously think a lot of yourself. And he kind of laughs it off. She gets the cab to stop on Dublin street, goes to check out the apartment, loves it. It's beautiful. She's like, I can't believe anyone would like, this is, it's like so much, but it has like a claw foot tub and all of this. Ellie is the girl living in it. And, and I should have seen it coming from the start, but she's like, oh, you know, my brother fixed it up and he just didn't want me to be paying money while I was getting my PhD. And she's like, oh, that's a really nice brother. Um, so she gets the, she's thinking like, okay, I, I would really like this place. Ellie's like, it's yours. Ellie's very open, bubbly, all of this. Joss is not because she just, that's just how she copes with everything. So after she moves in, I love this. She goes to take a bath. What? Well, yeah, take goes to take a bath in the nice call foot tub, realizes there's no towel. So when she goes to walk out, like Ellie's not there. So she's like, okay, whatever. She walks out and Brandon's there. He's like, well, okay. It's just like, what is happening? Why are you here? She's just naked. He's like, uh, what? And she's like, oh my God, you're Ellie's brother. So he, he's like hardcore, like sending signals. And she's like, no, no, not happening. Um, he eventually wears her down though. And, and they, they start up their own thing. And he's like, yeah, let's just have an arrangement for, uh, six months. And she's like, one and he goes th- uh, no what he says something else and then she's like three and he's like okay fine three months um and they like ellie tells her you know he's a really good guy like yeah this is this is basically sort of his style but uh like don't hurt him because he's he's actually a really good guy and we we come to find out that like he has his own things he sort of peels off all of the layers of, of Joss, or with someone, um, 
and she ends up going to see a therapist uh, to kind of get to the bottom of everything. It's like there's there's this this deep heavy stuff but then you know it's also like a also a rom what like sort of a rom-com but then also just like a just romance book too so it works really well like the whole the whole overall storyline works really well and absolutely loved it again couldn't put it down read it in under 24 hours i started that one at like 11 o'clock on Sunday night and I finished it at because I didn't have to work Monday so I finished it at uh 3:30 in the afternoon. <laughs> There's no shame. There is absolutely no shame about it. Loved it. <laughs> you should definitely read it and and I'll I'll let you know in September how many Samantha Young books I make it through cuz I just can't feel like there's going to be more. Moving on now to something not Samantha Young related. Makeup Breakup by Lily Menon came out this February. And I think I read that this was her very first book. Yes. Romantic comedy debut. Reads, love, romance, second chances, fairy tale endings. These are the things. And I think it's pronounced Annika. Or could be Anika. But I think it's Annika. Dev believes it. Her app makeup has been called the Google Translate for failing relationships. High efficiency breakups, flashy startups, penthouses, fast cars. These are the things Hudson Craft believes in. His app breakup is known as the Uber for breakups. It's wildly successful and anathema to, is that how you say that word? Anna, anathema, I'm pretty sure, to Annika's life philosophy, which wouldn't be a problem if they'd gone their separate ways after that summer fling in Las Vegas, never to see each other again. Unfortunately for Annika, Hudson's moving not just into her office building, but into the office right next to hers. And he'll be competing at the prestigious Epic Investment Pitch Contest, a contest Annika needs to win if she wants to keep makeup afloat. As if it's not bad enough, seeing his irritatingly, <laughs> I almost said irrationally, irritatingly perfect face on magazine covers when her own business is failing. As if knowing he stole her idea and twisted it into something vile and monumentally more successful didn't already make her stomach churn. As the two rival app developers clash again and again and again, Annika finds herself drawn into Hudson Craft's fast-paced, high-velocity, utterly shallow world. Only from close up, he doesn't seem all that shallow. Could it be that everything she thought about Hudson is completely wrong? Could the creator of Breakup teach her what true love's really about? So this book got a very harsh 3.2 stars on Goodreads, and I personally put it at a four. Um, it's another enemies to lovers that's doesn't really. It's it's like you need two versions of enemies to lovers, and and I'm I'm sure I've talked about this before, and I was literally just talking about this in here with me, but there's enemies to lovers where. Like Robin and Lachlan, they just hate each other. Actually, true animosity. And then you have this version of Enemies to Lovers where one of them, aka Hudson, actually loves Annika, but she hates him. And that's, and you know, and it's normally where the guy is the one that's in love and the girl never realizes it because most of the time these books are written by women. So it's written from the female perspective. Annika and Hudson had met previously the year before in Las Vegas for this app 
conference and hit it off. Had had a fling for seven days. And on the seventh day, Annika leaves and she she has feelings for Hudson, but she's like, you know what? He didn't say any of this. So I like, I know that I jump in fast and I don't want to freak him out. So she just writes a nice little note. Like it was fun. All the best. Annika and leaves. This devastates Hudson. And he, after that, creates breakup. Annika had already told him the bare bones of the app that she wanted, which was makeup that, that was also sort of an ode to her parents. Her father is still alive, uh, but her mother had passed away when she was little. So fast forward now a year, Annika is getting debt collectors. The bank is calling, being like, you're way behind. Uh, She had had startup money. People had really believed in her, but then the app has really stalled before launch or hadn't had a chance to launch yet because it's so innovative that it needs so much work put into it. And it's just her and her friend June, who doesn't even need a job because she's a trust fund baby, but is also really good at coding. (laughs) While they're dealing with this and thinking about this epic pitch investment um, thing, and epic stands for something, and I forget what it was now, um, she hears gong ringing next door. She's like, what the heck is going on? She goes next door. It's Hudson Craft with his team and they're having a Nerf gun fight, ringing a gong because they ring a gong for every, it was 10,000 or 100,000 breakups and they had just reached 300,000 breakups. And she's like, you can't be serious. Like Hudson Craft, like stole my idea, turn it into this. And like, this isn't happening right now. He's, like, pushing her buttons all the time. They go back and forth. They have this sort of little war. They keep trying to sabotage each other. And that actually, that was funny. That worked itself out. Um, But he is also just, well, like, she gets drunk at one point, goes to kiss him, and he's like, no, I want, like, I want to kiss you, but I want you to kiss me when you're sober and, like, when you mean it. And, And then she's kind of put off by that. My biggest hang up really about this book is one, the ending. I don't know why, like it's 415 pages. So why we have to cram in the, like, it just gets smushed right in at the very end and it's very fast. You're like, well, I I could have taken out some of the, like, it's kind of drawn out after a while. Could have taken some of the middle to give it a better ending where it wasn't so smushed into like four pages at the end. Uh, but also her app is just, like, would just never, I just don't understand how her app would ever work in real life. But that said, I didn't hate the book. I mean, shoot, there are, there are more books piling up that I just could not get into at all. And I, and I did read this in, like, three days, two days. Um, so it was a fast read. And yeah, I didn't hate it. Uh, I mean, it's just, it's another enemies to lovers that's not really truly enemies to lovers. And yeah, but I mean, I, I wouldn't say not read it. Um, but I, I mean, I, I enjoyed it. But I, when I looked it up, I was like, oh, 3.2 on Goodreads. That's that's harsh. Like I give my favorite half night stand 3.2. <laughs> but I'm giving I'm going to give Makeup Breakup a solid four. The Flat Chair by Beth O'Leary. I I really, I don't know how many books Beth O'Leary has written at this point. Um, 
But I've read three of her books in the last couple of months and I had never heard of her before. Love this one though. I understand why this one was her standout claim here. This reads, what if your roommate is your soulmate? A joyful, quirky, romantic comedy, Beth O'Leary's The Flat Share is a feel-good novel about finding love in the most unexpected of ways. Tiffy and Leon share an apartment. Tiffy and Leon have never met. After a bad breakup, Tiffy Moore needs a place to live, fast and cheap, but the apartments in her budget have her wondering if astonishingly colored mold on the walls count as art. Desperation makes her open-minded, so she answers an ad for a flat share. Leon, a night shift worker, will take the apartment during the day, and Tiffy can have it nights and weekends. He'll only ever be there when she's at the office. In fact, they'll never even have to meet. Tiffy and Leon start writing each other notes, first about what day is garbage day, and politely establishing what leftovers are up for grabs, and the evergreen question of whether the toilet seat should stay up or down. Even though there are opposites, they soon become friends and then maybe more. But falling in love with your roommate is probably a terrible idea, especially if you've never met. This book was so good. And once again, Beth marries up this perfect rom-com, fat, fun, bubbly, easy to read with hard topics. And this time we have Tiffy's ex-boyfriend, Justin, who is a gaslighting nightmare terror stalker, dude. Um, mixed also with Leon's brother who has been wrongfully convicted and sitting in jail. This is the whole reason why Leon is offering up his flat in the first place for the flat share to get extra money to pay for this really bad lawyer. Thankfully, what turns out for him, Tiffy's very best friend, Gertie, is a lawyer in this stuff. So they, so Tiffy gets this place. She's finally moving out of Justin's flat, which she had continued to live in. They had been on again, off again, and he had allowed her to stay at this flat. But she had finally kind of had enough when he showed up with this new girl. And he's like, I can't believe you would do this, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, I've let you live here very cheap and all of this. So she's like, I got to get out of here. She ends up moving into this flat with Leon. And at first, his girlfriend Kay is like, I want to do all of the correspondence because I don't want you guys to meet, you know, none of this. So Kay is the one running everything. Leon and Kay end up breaking up because, like, they just shouldn't have been together anyway. Um, but before that happens, Leon and Tiffy start writing post-it notes to one another. Just, she's like, oh, you know, I made too much of this. Feel free to have some. He's like, oh, you know here's some dinner leftover. Uh, and then you know, she's like, you know, what's going on with this guy in this flat? And have you checked out the poxes lately? And just talking about stuff. She kind of gives details about uh, her ex, um, things going on at work. Leon works um, in a, a hospice home situation. Uh, so, you know, he, he kind of talks to her sometimes about stuff. And she ends up getting a phone call. Well, the phone rings and she ends up picking it up and it's his brother. And he tells her, um, like, yeah, you know, I'm in prison and all of this. And I'm, I'm shocked that Leon hasn't told you anything. And she's like, oh, you know, well, to be fair, like we haven't actually met. And, um, she goes, you know, and he goes, you're not even going to ask me why I'm in here. And she's like, well, you know, does it really matter? And, um, he goes, you know, I would really love to tell you about it. And I want, like, I want to know if you think I'm guilty or not. So he writes her this letter. She reads it. She's very moved by it. And she goes to Gertie and she's like, you 
like, can you just read this? Can you just read this and just tell me, you know, if, if they should be doing anything different? Gertie immediately picks up the case and she's like, don't get your hopes up. Don't get his hopes up. Don't do anything. This absolutely moves Leon beyond words uh, because he loves his brother. And then they actually end up meeting. And like, there's, there's this whole backstory too about how he's trying to reconnect this this man who actually ends up a, a big crochet person and helps Tiffy because she works in publishing with craft books and stuff. It's just, again, it's a very Love Actually Jill Mansell style of like all of these storylines finding way to connect. But then you add in like these harder topics. And I mean, Tiffy coming to realize that Justin was a huge gaslighter and like I mean, she was literally, like, she thought that she was just becoming forgetful and stuff. And, like, no, it was just him lying to her, gaslighting her so badly for so many years that, like, he was just, like, hiding some of her clothes that he didn't like. He's like, oh, no, you got, don't you remember you got rid of those? Like, oh, what would you ever do without me? Because you keep forgetting these things. And then when she moves in with Leon, she finds it. She's like, well, I thought I got, like, well, I thought I kept that. But then Justin said that I had gotten rid of it. So I did I not get rid of it? She starts having these flashbacks of of things happening within the relationship that weren't great because, you know, it's brought up several times, you know, you sort of kind of gloss over the bad stuff at first. Um, and it was just so good. So different, too. It was a little... And the chapters go back and forth between Tiffy and Leon, and the writing style is very different between the two of them, uh, because they are two completely different people. And, but I also just loved with the notes, because it felt very, with the Meg Cabot books written email style. So, like, you just have this, like, note-telling version of the story, and then you have their different viewpoints telling of the story. It was just very different. I loved it. I loved it. And I just, I'm a big fan of Beth O'Leary now. And I'm like, oh, Beth O'Leary book. Okay, I will be reading that book. Moving on to now, I, you know what? Sometimes the wrap ups get very long, but there were lots of movies and lots of books to discuss. Uh, the last book that I read, Beach Read by Emily Henry. As we are very well aware, I was not a fan of people we meet on vacation. I mean, half of me liked it and half of me absolutely hated it. And then the longer that I went about, I'm like, it was really more like a 3070 of love and hate. Um, did not like it. But I put Beach Read on the Libby app. So I'm like, look, I'm not paying for it. So like, if I hate it, whatever. I loved this book. I loved this book. Like, I'm so, I'm actually really happy that I read this one second, because if I had read this one first, loved it, I would have been so disappointed in people we meet on vacation. But coming in the reverse style, I didn't have expectations going into Beach Read. I loved this book. It was so, oh, this one was so good. Okay. Came out last year, 384 pages, reads, um, Augustus Everett is an acclaimed author of literary, literary fiction. Jane Mary Andrews writes best-selling romance. When she pins a happily ever after, he kills off his entire cast. They're polar opposites. In fact, the only thing they have in common is that for the next three months, they're living in neighboring beach houses, broke and bogged 
down with writer's block. Until one hazy evening, one thing leads to another, and they strike a deal designed to force them out of their creative ruts. Augustus will spend the summer writing something happy, and January will pin the next great American novel. She'll take him on field trips worthy of any rom-con montage, and he'll take her to interview surviving members of a backwoods death cult, obviously. Everyone will finish a book, and no one will fall in love. Really. Um... Yeah, I'm just reading the other thing. Uh, who wrote the, um, Josie Silver, the author of One Day in December, which to be honest, I did not love that book, got the little blurb on the front of cover and it says, a breath of fresh air, steamy, smart, and perceptive. Uh, yes. Yes. Steamy, smart, and perceptive. This book was everything. Gus in January... Again, it's an enemies to lovers. It's, I, I don't know if we can call it forced proximity because they didn't actually live in the same house, but they were right next to each other. Um, but again, Gus actually just in love with January the whole time. January actually sort of also had a thing for Gus. Um, and then just, it was like a sort of different kind of version of hate uh, in this one where she was like hated, but also kind of liked him all at the same time. I was jealous all at the same time. January is there primarily there in Michigan uh, because she has gone through a lot. She's gone through a breakup. Her father has passed away and she found out at the funeral that her father had actually cheated on her mother um, while her mother got went through, well, before and then also after uh, her mother went through chemo treatments for breast cancer. And, uh, had had a house out in Michigan, unbeknownst to, uh, her. Her mom apparently knew or knew of something going on. And now January has three months to write a book because her publisher needs the book. She needs the money. And she also needs to get this house ready to sell because she, she needs the money and she needs to offload this house. So she shows up there and just, you know, very messed up as, as you would be. And sees Gus and she's like, oh my God, I can't believe it's Gus. Uh, they went to college together. She thought Gus had always been very snide towards her. Uh, cause he's like, you know, everything's rainbows and lollipops where you come from. Uh, things had not gone so well for Gus growing up and they really bond over, everything. I mean, she, she comes clean about her father to Gus and he's like, wow. And he's like, but you know, I, I was admired you. Like I wished that I had had your life growing up. Like that's like, I love that you believe in fairy tales and I love that that works for you. Like that's just never worked for me. So when they come across to do this book, you know, to switch it up here, he's like, okay, but you have to promise me one thing. She's like, okay, what's that? And he goes, you have to promise not to fall in love with me. And she's like, okay, deal. <laughs> Obviously that does not happen. Um, I loved it. The very end. Oh my God. I was, <laughs> the very end was like straight out of a freaking movie. Um, loved it. Love this book. I just, I was like, this completely redeemed Emily Henry for me. She has already, there's a third book uh, that she has, um, like, put out the title of it and the synopsis of it. And now having read Beach Read, I'm like, 
yes, I will read this book because, I mean, if I had not liked both of them, I'd probably, I don't know, I don't think I'd read it, but oh, I loved it. And, and to be fair on people we meet on vacation, I think it probably would have been good if it had been 75 pages less than it was. I forget how many pages, um, it actually was. I mean, I'm sure it's right here because, uh, it's also by Emily Henry. Um, nope, that's just the very first chapter. Uh, yeah, why is that, like, doing that over here? Um, okay, well, I guess we're not gonna find out how many pages. <laughs> just, like, it should be right here. I mean, I want to say, like, if it were 100 pages less, that would be great. See, that was only 382 pages, but honestly, could have been about 75 pages less. Yeah, just over 300 pages, and that probably would have done. God, it was only 382 pages. Yikes. Hardcore felt like that was at least 450 pages. Uh, that one just drug on way too long. Way too long. Um, but yeah, this one was really good. I just... I, I, like, I couldn't put it down, and I remember, like, I was home for 4th of July weekend, and I was trying to do something, and then I was, not, I wasn't at home for 4th of July weekend, because this is the August wrap-up. Um, what was I home for? I was home for something, beginning of August, and I, my mom was like, oh, what book is this? And I was like, oh, you know, she's finding out about her dad having an affair with, you know, our, and my mom's like, you want to read that? I'm like, you don't know, it's so good. I'm like, you don't understand. She's like, I thought you read, like, happy, fluffy books. I'm like, I do. This one is, though, still, even with that. Um, yeah, loved Beach Read. Now, my friend Samantha over it, he, she read, he said, also hated this one. Um, uh, but you know what? It's fine. She just doesn't like the writing style, and that's fine. But for me, loved Beach Read. Loved it. All right, and that is it. I am getting out of here. This podcast is running long. You know what? Sometimes it happens. There was a lot to talk about when it comes to Scottish men. Um, You will be able to find links to all of these books that I have talked about in my website at SockmanStudios.com. I'm going to sit down and write up that blog post right here, right now. Uh, but you will be able to find that on the blog over there. It will take you to Amazon with affiliate links. Click it if you love me. And yeah, until next week, who knows? You know, I, I might be coming to you from Scotland. I won't be. I, I will not be. I wish I was, but, but I won't. But until next week, remember, there are no bad hair days. I will see you guys next time.